Sunday Night Health Show podcast. Should we vaccinate those who are on the front lines? Dr. Jason Kinderchuk weighs in. We are stressed and we may not have recovered from past trauma, never mind the trauma of this pandemic. Emily A. Francis is back to help heal you from the inside out. Are you foggy-brained, fatigued, irritable? Maybe it's menopause. My guest, Anari Mook, will help you balance your hormones. The Sunday Night Health Show podcast starts now. Well, we lost one of the world's favorite papas. Not only a prince of a guy, but a real prince, an actual prince. He lived a good long life, Prince Philip. He did indeed, but that is little comfort to those who loved him. At times like this, grief is never easy, especially in a pandemic. Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show, a show about sexual health, how it relates to your overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse, nurse continence advisor, sexual health educator, and host of this program. I am joined behind the boards by Leo. Good evening, Leo. How are you doing there tonight? Hello, Marie. Good evening. Yeah, that's fine here. Well, getting along here. How are you finding working with me so far? (laughs) Stressful. It's okay. Everyone says it. (laughs) Anyway, I'm glad to have you here. So thank you so much for daring to be here. Daring greatly. That's not my line. That's not even Brene Brown's line. Anyway, that is FDR's line. Uh, Anyway, uh, if you'd like to be a part of the show. Feel free to give us a call. The number to call is one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. That's one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. You can text me there as well or email me in confidence at hotmail. Although we cover a variety of health subjects, this show is not a replacement for a visit to your doctor virtually or by phone. We've got lots to cover on the show tonight. We're going to be, of course, talking COVID. Um, Also going to be talking about how stressed we are uh, from from nurses to kindergartners to frontline workers to parents. I mean, if you are not stressed in this pandemic, I don't know, you must be a billionaire. And apparently we're getting a new billionaire every 19 minutes. A new billionaire is born, not me. Um, but anyway, we're going to be talking also about uh, foggy brain, fatigue, irritability. Maybe it's menopause. I have somebody who's going to help balance your home hormones on the show this evening. So much to cover, so little time. But right now... And now, Maureen's Health Headline. You've heard his voice before. He is an assistant professor in the Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Manitoba. He holds a Canada Research Chair in the Molecular Pathogenesis of Emerging and Re-Emerging Viruses and currently is seconded to collaboratively advance research and development against COVID-19. He is none other than the esteemed Dr. Jason Kinderchuk. Good evening, Dr. Kinderchuk. Good evening, Maureen. How are you? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, this is a different week, isn't it? I it think is. That it's, it just has that kind of foreboding feeling. Um, I, I, honestly, I don't think we've felt it probably since we were still down in the D.C. area and we had a few hurricane warnings. And you, you kind of have that feeling of you know it's coming. You don't necessarily know when. Um, and, and you just try and get ready. And that's, and that's all you can do. Exactly. And, you know, hope for the future. 
I think when yeah. we heard there was a vaccine, people were elated, fantastic. Nobody thought about supply chain, distribution, logistics, implementation, hiring staff,、uh, choosing the right people. Everybody was just elated with that. But with the race between the variant and, variants, I should say, and the vaccines, maybe it's time we rethink this strategy of an age demographic、uh, strategy. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah,、um, you know, it, it certainly is complicated, right? And, and I say that as, you know, it, it, it's just a, it just a virologist. I'm not, I'm not a public health expert. But、um, what, what do you do? We're, we're faced with, you know, really a, a pandemic within a pandemic with the variant. So we have, you know, three variants that are circulating in Canada.、Um, we're seeing basically a, a change in the demographics. That, that are showing up in the ICUs. We, I, I think we had estimated this could happen based on、uh, you know, the, the age of,、uh, of those people that are not protected but are working essential frontline positions.、Um, but what do we do? Because we haven't hit、uh, all of those high risk groups yet in, in regards to vaccination. And this now becomes a question of where do you focus? Are you, are you concerned that we are still going to see that, that, that high fatality? Or that, that high、uh, morbidity within high risk groups? Or are you concerned about protecting those people in the essential positions that may be passing it on through their communities? And it, it's not easy. It certainly isn't. And I was happy to see that in British Columbia at Whistler, they're actually opening up、yeah. the、uh, vaccination program to、uh, those who could register tomorrow、uh, for 18 to 55 years of age, in part because there's a pandemic within a pandemic raging through the resort、um, up there. So there has been some reconsideration, sounds like public health officials. And, and by the way, aren't we all armchair public health officials these days? <laughs> Uh, yep. <laughs> looks like they have thought better of it and, and have decided to go that way. I have to say,、uh, the, in, I understand a bit about the vaccine programs. And what I'm hearing is that people who are being vaccinated in the, in the 75, 74, 73, 72, 71, you know, very few of those people have had COVID. And they're, they're healthy. Typically, people are still healthy. Health doesn't really deteriorate or begin to significantly deteriorate for people until around age 85, 86. So, in, in the early 70s, people are not working. They're typically retired. They're not that stressed. They're able to stay home. They've stayed home. And,、uh, and so, it does seem to me a little bit.、Uh, You know, that it does warrant reconsideration、uh, and, to, and to maybe pivot. And we've all had to pivot in this pandemic in one way or another,、um, especially around work,、um, but pivot toward that younger group. Well, and I think we have to think about this beyond just the realm of, of age, right? Because, like, like you just said, I mean, listen, we, we have family as well that, that are in you know, the, that 70 plus range. Um, they live in a condo, but they've been able to you know, remain isolated. They've remained healthy through all this. And certainly, all, all the people in their building have as well. And we've seen that story play out kind of over and over again.、Um, we have to appreciate that there's a socioeconomic、uh, aspect to this as well. And certainly, again, when we look at those demographics that, that make up the, the essential services that we require, whether it's manufacturing, industry, pharmacies, grocery stores, Um, you know, all of these、uh, different areas, we have to ensure that those people are protected. And I think 
that is something that um, we've been able to get maybe a little bit around in the past. But now we have variants that not only transmit better, they also in some cases produce more severe disease. And this is a concern for us. When we think about this idea of stress on the healthcare system, we've, we've heard all the stories from Ontario. And certainly that is going to play out in other regions of Canada as well uh, over the next few weeks. Um, we need to be able to re-strategize when, when we're presented with, uh, with, with essentially a, a, a new uh, calculus in, in this pandemic. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I want to say first responders and uh, teachers yeah. as well yeah. add to that list. Um, you know, people in that 20 to 60-year-old age category or beyond who are, who are working, who have to go to work. And yes, we have heard those stories from Ontario, in particular, a Dr. Michael Warner, who has shared a, a very heart-wrenching story about his patient whose husband had to go to work. Uh, there was a COVID-positive case. They wouldn't say what shift it was on, but he was exposed, brought it home to his whole family. Uh, the woman was in her early 40s, and he had permission to share the story. Um, and she, you know, had a gruesome uh, burden of disease and uh, and passed away, unfortunately. And, and I think we're hearing, we're going to be hearing more of those stories because there's more exposure. And the other thing is the workplaces aren't safe. But I do want to uh, just remind listeners out there, if you have a question for Dr. Kinderchuk or you have an, uh, an opinion on how we should be vaccinating people and try not to personalize it, the number to call is one 399 That's one 399 The workplaces, the workplace safety. And, and I, I have to say I'm curious about the Canucks and what their workplace safety mm-hmm. was because I think people need COVID safety plans in their businesses if they want to open up. And I think that's something that has been lacking, you know, where workers can be offered the vaccine, given paid time to receive it and also receive, this is really important if they are exposed to COVID-19 or have COVID-19 symptoms, obviously leave the shift and uh, have the confidence that they will get paid. Even if they put a a cap on it, you know, getting paid, you know, maybe eight eight-hour shifts or something so that they don't lose a tremendous amount because that'll be the deciding factor for people whether they go to work and then to have some on-site rapid testing as well and I know that this country has a lot of rapid testing uh, devices that are not being utilized what are your thoughts on COVID safety plans in the workplace I I mean I I agree with all the above right and certainly um, you know we've seen this story play out so far and and and, you know regards this idea of paid sick leave um, listen, I'm in a very fortunate position. I, you know, I'm, I'm paid for my university. I'm working here in Saskatoon, so we're, you know, we're still in the lab. We're still in the office. Um, but I have the ability, if, if I'm sick or I have a, a potential positive or any sort of ailment, um, I can stay at home. And, and I'm comfortable because I know that, that I'm going to be looked after. Mm-hmm. That is not the situation for, for many people. And, and I think we really need to appreciate that. If we want to be protected, we have to ensure that people feel the confidence that if they have any signs of illness, that they can stay at home and it is not going to be an unnecessary burden on their families and and themselves. And I think that is just so critically important for us, just from, I I think, from a Canadian standpoint, to be able to look after our neighbours and those around us. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Joining me on the line is Dr. Jason Kinderchuk, PhD. He is all things COVID-19. Uh, thanks for staying on the line, Dr. Kinderchuk. 
Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, Dr. Kinderchuk, as you know, I, I get all sorts of fan mail about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like a daily task for me is to for and off Dr. Kendrachuk's fan mail. The number to call is one 9898 If you have a question for Dr. Kendrachuk, I have Joanne on the line from out in Surrey, British Columbia. Good evening, Joanne. Good evening. How are you? I like your show. Oh, I'm all right. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I have a question for Dr. Kendrachuk. Mm-hmm. I have a compromised immune system. I have chronic Lyme disease. And so I was wondering um, if the vaccine's safe or if I, it might take me longer to um, uh, recover from the vaccine or, uh, and which vaccine would be best. <laughs> Yeah, so, so great questions, right? When, when we look at people that are immunocompromised, certainly, um, you know, the immunocompromised people should be uh, getting vaccinated. That, that certainly is, is one of the biggest recommendations. Um, you know, in regards to, you know, the, the intervals between doses, certainly it's something to talk to your, uh, to your overseeing physician about, um, whether or not they think that, uh, that you should be basically following the, the three to four week interval or if you're okay to, to move to the longer interval. Um, that, that certainly is conversation for, for, for a physician. In regards to the different vaccines, you know, it, it, it continues to be a minefield, right? And certainly, you know, we're starting to see the, you know, everything play out in regards to, to age and, and, and recommendations for AstraZeneca. Um, Pfizer and Moderna, I think, are still, you know, probably the, the ones that are being used the most frequently right now for, for high-risk groups. Um, and we're seeing more of the AstraZeneca vaccine being rolled out. Uh, for you know, for the 55 and and, and up crowd in, in different areas of Canada, um, but more drills that that fit into kind of that average category. So again, it would be uh, something to talk to to your physician or to your health region about. Okay, great. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I appreciate welcome. you being there to answer some questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. And if you have a question, the number to call is one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. 399 Dr. Kinderchuk, uh, what, who should not be getting the vaccine? Is there anyone? <laughs> or is it yeah, basically... It's, it, it's a good question at this point, right? So, uh, listen, when we, when we look back at, you know, at, at, at who based at this point should not, uh, you know, I think that there's certainly a a limitation on, on the groups that, that we see that, that should be. Certainly, you know, kids are, are still, I think, a little bit of a, a question mark as to, to where they fit in. Um, and obviously those that, uh, that, that have those underlying, uh, you know, things of larger uh, anaphylactic type of uh, allergic reactions. And then what about, again, it could be based on, on what is in the vaccine and if they've had any reactions uh, to, to any of those types of, of components. But outside of that, it's been pretty broad. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly, you know, we, we still seeing discussions with pregnant women and where they fit in. And a lot of that is based on, on personal discussions with, with the overseeing physician. Absolutely. We have another caller, Evelyn, from Winnipeg, from your neck of the woods. Uh, Eve- yeah. Good evening, uh, Evelyn. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm a little flustered, though, because um, I'm living in an environment that doesn't really abide by the covid Oh. No rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten the vaccine yet. My question, my question for J- Jason, right? Is that his name? Yes, yeah. Dr. Jason. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Um, my situation is: How clean does my environment need to be uh, to prevent myself from getting the corona before I get the vaccine? Oh, well, I, so you know, listen. At, at this point, 
you haven't gotten COVID yet. Okay, so that so that, no, that at least no. gives you some some so it gives you some confidence that the environment you're currently in has has actually been quite good. Okay, the, okay. the question okay. with the variants and, and the question with the variants certainly in Winnipeg is is a big question right now. We're seeing obviously variant cases increasing. Uh, a lot of this comes back to this idea of what are you doing in regards to your own protection and, and protective measures. So are you wearing your mask properly? Are you ensuring that you're maintaining distancing? Are you reducing the amount of time you're spending in enclosed spaces that don't have good ventilation? Um, those, those things are the things to abide by. And, and really, a lot of it is about being 100% confident that you're making those decisions and, and being cognizant of your surroundings um, all the time, because the variants are very different. They're behaving very differently from from what we've seen with uh, the virus previously. But all the infection prevention control suggestions still apply right now. And we've got about 30 so seconds. Thanks, so Evelyn. The, yeah, okay. okay. All right, we've got Mary on the line from Vancouver Island. Mary, we've got about 30 seconds. What's your question? Um, when you're waiting four months between vaccines, isn't it possible? Isn't it like only taking part of your antibiotics? Isn't it possible that we'll get a stronger variant? So everything we've seen so far about 20 seconds. suggested, <laughs> yeah, everything we've seen so far suggested we haven't seen a lot of emergence of new variants based off of uh, that that kind of those uh, a degree of time between vaccinations. It looks like that that the emergences have come more with people that were immunocompromised that had longer term infection. Awesome, that was a great question, Dr. Kinderschuk. As always, thank you so much. I could talk to you for hours. Hopefully, we'll talk to you <laughs> next week again. <laughs> Thanks, Maureen. Take care of yourself. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Are you stressed? Have you had it? Are you done? Are you feeling like the future is bleak? I am. <laughs> I have to say, I'm one of the most optimistic people out there, and yet I I have to admit, I am struggling a bit with all of this. Uh, she is a highly sought-after speaker, author, and wellness expert with vast education and experience in this field. Her commitment to total body, mind, and spiritual wellness is her driving force. And she believes in a whole-body, proactive approach to wellness where balance is the key and kindness paves the way. She's the author of a number of books. Her latest work is Healing Ourselves whole. She is Emily A. Francis, and she joins me on the line from Malta. Good evening or good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Maureen. Thanks for having me on. Happy Sunday. Oh, yes. Happy Sunday, isn't it? (laughs) One more happy day in this pandemic. (laughs) Well, it's actually Monday here in Malta. (laughs) Okay. Happy Monday. Okay. We have another happy day. actually Monday morning, but you know, I don't blame you, though, for feeling just really spent. I mean, I think that I think that sort of goes with the territory, and it's hard because a lot of self-help advocates, even myself, you know, really try to help you see the brighter side, but sometimes you just have to own that you feel like crap. You don't want to move forward, and maybe just take a seat for a little while. Just don't get lost there. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's sort of that humdrum nature. How are you feeling out there, listeners in radio land? Do you have a question or do you have a story that you'd like to share with uh, the other listeners? The number to call is one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. or if you would like some help from Emily A. Francis on something you're struggling with in this pandemic. Again, the number to call is one 399 I mean, the future is, you know, I, I, if still it's 
a little bleak <laughs> as time goes on. Uh, we have so much to consider. We're, we're all armchair public health officials. We're all casting our opinions, um, you know, hoping for the best. Some are obeying rules. Others are not obeying rules. Some people are struggling tremendously with um, jobs or maybe loss of jobs. They're struggling financially. They're struggling in their relationships. They are, you know, ha- batting <clears throat> down the hatches with the same person um, for the entire year plus. And, and maybe they were having issues prior to that. Or, um, I mean, there are just too many issues to name. So how does somebody who perhaps has a past trauma that they haven't dealt with um, deal with uh, adding this trauma? Because the pandemic is actually a trauma, isn't it, Emily? It is a trauma. You know, um, here's, what I, here's the little things that I can say. What has whatever little things have been under the skin before this lockdown occurred comes in like a bomb after Mm -hmm. because you cannot you can't avoid it anymore. So people that are stuck in a house or that are in, God forbid, an abusive relationship emotionally, physically, it's going to come flying out because a lot of people it's one of two ways. People are either going down deep and doing the work and trying to come out a different person or a better version or whatever is haunting them is is taking them down. And not only that, but you're dealing with, no matter who you are, you're dealing with death. So many people are leaving this planet. So many animals are leaving this planet. So it's it's a lot of shedding and it's a lot of heartbreak and it's a lot of awareness seeking that's happening right now. And that's really, really hard. But I can say uh, there's a lot of therapies out there that are doing online services. And I sought them out before I moved to Malta. I called my therapist and said, I'm going to need you. I, I felt so stuck and I felt like I was being hammered down and not being able to leave. And I was in a place that didn't resonate with who I am and my growth. And it was a lifesaver to be able to do talk therapy via Zoom link. So if you guys haven't sought out therapy, it it might be the time to do that because I don't advocate just calling your friends. You need to call someone or talk to someone who has an actual advanced degree in what it is that you need help with. Uh, Exactly. You're not alone. Dave on the line from Burnaby, British Columbia. Good evening, Dave. Hey, guys. Um, I guess I'm just struggling with the fact that it feels like to me that we pivoted as a society because of this COVID thing. I've got, uh, you know, a couple of kids in school, one in, uh, in daycare. Mm-hmm. And what's bothering me is the, the metaphor I like to use is like, imagine if we're all in a lifeboat and they're pointing at my kids saying, you know, your kids swim really well. Mm-hmm. You mind um, them jumping out and giving the seat to a baby boomer? Are you yeah. ter- talking yeah. in terms of like the vaccination program or? Well, no, the fact that we're sending them out there. Yeah. Because they can tolerate it. Right. You know, and, and in society, this is where I'm getting into fights with, you know, with family and, and other people in trying to, 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 to point the fact out that this, this never happens in our society that we, that we don't protect the kids, even though that they can handle it. Mm-hmm. But it sort of is like saying that they're less flammable than us. So, Are you feeling uh, powerless? Yeah, because it seems like it's a minority opinion. Right. And I talk to as many people about it, trying to lobby them and convince them. I guess that's what I'm doing now on the radio. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> like, I understand. Uh, it's a yeah. difficult it's a, it's position a to be in. Yeah, it's almost like your kids don't matter, and there's nothing more important to you than your kids, right? 
Well, yeah, and, and again, not just my kids. It's that I think it's easy for everyone to sort of write them off as, well, you know, they're, they're probably not going to get sick anyways. Like they're strong enough to fight it off. Uh, yeah, but, but the policy, it just seems to be like we're we're making a lot of big gambles with with our kids here, and we're not the one people that we're not supposed to gamble with them. Like it's a tr- tragedy when a 99 year old monarch dies, right? But if it's if it's the um, if, if it's one of the kids uh, in line, then it's a real tragedy, you know. And, and so, so this is this is where I'm sort of getting at it. What we're doing with this is contrary to what we're what we're saying is is what we are supposed to value as a society. That's all. Emily, what would you say to Dave? Well, I'm in that position because my kids start school again today, this morning, and um, it's been hard because we went to online, but we didn't do it very long in Malta because um, by law everybody wears a mask here, so it is a little different. Here's the Here's the frustrating parts. One, we don't have enough facts. We still don't have enough facts. You still have it being a political divide, and, it, and it's people fighting for science and people fighting for the other side, and, and we don't really know what we're doing to ourselves or to our kids. The other part that really makes me crazy, and I completely agree with you, is that we tend to put this word resilient onto our kids and decide that they are resilient, and we yeah. test them, and we're putting them in positions that is not fair for them no, to have no. to prove. And that's online or in school or wherever they're going because I, I just feel like we're not valuing the safety and the sensitivity that our children have. And we are putting our children more than all of us, really, because they're the history makers right now. They're going to be the ones that share the story and pass right. it down through the generations. It's going to be their story that they were in school wearing a mask all day long. And I think that I, I, if I'm in line with you, I don't like that we keep assuming that our children are more resilient than they should have to be. Right. Well, especially now that we're on a, you know, fourth and fifth variant now. They don't right. know. Yeah, exactly. And kids are suffering well, with anxiety terrifying. and loneliness. Dave, how are your kids doing? <clears throat> well, they're fine because, you know, the, the three of them tend to, to play with each other anyways, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but again, it's, you, you, you cave in as a parent, you cave into the, can I go play with my kids in the park today? And you go, yeah, okay. But but in, in hindsight, we're supposed to be reducing the contacts, aren't we? But 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 we have to sort of try to give them that balance. And then, um, if you know, like for over the spring break, I wanted to keep them out of school and 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 do my own three three weeks and wait for the three week circuit breaker. I was really hoping that we would shut down the schools for the for the three weeks during the holidays, because in Ontario, I didn't realize they actually waited until. Uh, they had postponed their spring break. They're on spring break right now as part of their, their circuit breaker. Right, right. So we missed that boat as, as British Columbians. We missed that boat. It was a natural built-in circuit breaker where parents are already making plans to either be with their kids or have someone else look after their kids during that two weeks. Right, right. And there was a certain amount of frustration when you may, it sounds like you may not definitely agree with um, the public health officials and the decisions that they're making, and that can certainly be a struggle. How does it... You're wrong, right? And and which means I'm wrong, too, right? Right, right, exactly. And Emily, what would you say to Dave? You know what? You also have to, I think people are, the other side of the argument is that our children have to have, not every child has a sibling or not every child has a sibling that they get along with. I'm with you. I have children that really love to play with each other more than anybody else. But the argument is that our children are losing their social skills and there is a a level of health and well-being for a child that we have to be able to provide for them somehow. And we can't let them slip 
too far off the academic scale. This is all really scary because it's a good and valid argument. You don't need social skills in ICU. That's what I'm going to say. What was that? Sorry. Right. You don't build social skills in ICU? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and you're you're afraid and and oftentimes behind um certain behaviors is fear. And it sounds like you have a certain amount of fear, a certain amount as I say because you didn't let let your kids go to the park. <laughs> no. Well, no, no. I, I let them go, but the point is is that like because I'm letting them go to school. Yeah. Right? Yes. You, you know. So you're figuring they're going to school, why won't they why can't they go to the park? It's outside. It's actually safer. Yeah, but the point is is that See, everyone else is taking taking it for granted that they're again like the best swimmers in the group. Right. 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 Yeah, let them bob around in the ocean for a little while, right? You know, it's okay. Yeah. They're really good at treading water, right? Yeah, and you we know? really don't know. And even if it's one child that dies prematurely because of COVID, I mean, it's a hundred percent government. That's unofficial, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, is that yeah, I know they have a tough job. They have to balance mortality, but with uh, mental health and things like that. But the problem, if they're really concerned with mental health. Uh, you talk to my Australian friends, and they're really in a good space mentally because they can go out. Right, yeah. they clamp down, right? And they decided, you know, it's enough is enough. We screwed up the second wave. We're not going to screw it up this time. Yeah, stricter sooner. Dave, thanks so much for your call. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Emily A. Francis is my guest. Her website is Emily, Fra- Emily A. Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S, books.com, because she has written so many. Emily, thanks so much for hanging on the line. I have another, Thank you, Maureen. You're welcome. I have another caller for you, Cam from Brampton, Ontario. Uh, good evening, Cam. Hey, Maureen. How are you tonight? Fine, thank you. How are you doing? Good. Uh, well, we're in the epicenter. Yes, you are. More coronavirus cases in Ontario than ever. Yeah, so what I find interesting here is, uh, so Peel and Toronto, with the kids uh, on the point of the kids going back to school, so a decision was made basically within 24 hours, and it's the first time that Dr. Lowe and uh, Dr. Davila have actually signed off on anything above what the province has ordered. And there seems to be a controversy here in Ontario about whether the kids should be back in school. Of course, the Ford government uh, is telling us, yes, education, and it's safe for the kids to go back in school. But what is happening here is that the kids are bringing the virus from the house to the school. And if you keep on doing that, it circulates, it'll gradually circulate within the school Prob- uh, 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 bringing on another problem. And then the kids bring it from the school back home. No, home. Right now it's coming from the home to the school. Mm-hmm. If that's allowed to carry on, and now we with the different variants, basically then the school gets infected and has to be closed down anyway. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing is, as you know, in our region here, especially in Brampton, and I'm going to tell you within 10 square miles, and we're going to go from the International Airport up to Mayfield Road. We have over 65,000 people. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to pick on Amazon or UPS, but companies like that, they're small cities unto themselves. Mm-hmm. So, And there's about five of them within the 10-square-mile right. area. Right now, we're supposed to have mobile units out at these places. There hasn't been one. Now, we shut down at as you probably know, Thursday, last Thursday at 12.01 a.m. with a stay-at-home order. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm telling you, it's the weirdest stay-at-home order I've ever seen because the traffic down here, 
is unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and the interesting thing too, Doctor Lowe, for whatever reason, and Doctor Kinderchuk was on a morning show here. Uh, they were offered five thousand more vaccines to go into the logistic and warehousing places, mm-hmm. and he rejected them. And that question still hasn't been answered, and there hasn't been a reason given. Who rejected them? So I find I find there's a lot of controversy going on here. Uh, back and forth, not only politically, but within the triage community as well. Totally, which is so yeah. stressful. And so I want to get to, um, yeah, to Emily. Um, well, so when people are dealing with all of that, discord, political issues, uh, you know, some people abiding by the rules, others aren't, you know, what does that do to the body? Well, it does tremendous damage to the body. And here's the base. We don't feel safe. No one feels safe. No one on either side feels safe because no one totally trusts the intention behind and the information being given from the higher ups. So you are feeling like you're lost at sea and you're trying your best to hang on tight to any of the solid foundations that might be there and they don't feel solid under our feet. So what does that do to the body? It, It wreaks chaos. I mean, the reason everything that's happening on the outside is happening on the inside. If you're in lockdown, you are locking down in your thoughts, Mm -hmm. in your body, in the way that the flow of energy of the cellular structure of the blood flow, even this is a dangerous, dangerous time for everyone. And we don't feel solid anywhere. And it is hard to trust any of the information because it's so conflicting. I I mean, sorry, the best I can say is, though, is we have to figure out who we can actually listen to with trust and, and how did they prove to us that, that they can be trusted because that's the part I think that we're, we're all trying to grab for straws that please let us find the one that's golden and somebody that doesn't feel like they're being paid for. And what were you going to say, Cam? There was the other problem is... There, there's the, the other thing too. So the field hospitals, I don't know whether you've heard about them out here, out on the West Coast there. But yeah. so the, the the model would be Joseph Brandt Hospital in Burlington. That is sitting empty, the field hospital right now. That has 75 beds. Mm-hmm. And then the reply back is, well, we don't have people to man those beds. Now these, you could actually take a tour inside one of these. They take a month to erect. Mm-hmm. Right now, our problem is in the ICUs. They're becoming overwhelmed in certain areas where we're transferring patients to Kingston and everything. But... My thing is, okay, so Doug Ford has the power to make one phone call to the Prime Minister of Canada, okay, to bring in about 5,500 troops, mm-hmm. and that would solve the problem here. And the Canadian forces are used to doing this type of work. Well, they, well, they actually the need medical. ICU nurses, Cam, and, and, you know, when New York City was yeah. down Let me and make out. my point. Yeah. Can I just make my point? Sure. They have ICU nurses in the forces, okay? They have doctors that set up all around the world these facilities and man them all around the world. The phone call hasn't even been made in the first pen in, in the first wave, of course they came in, the armed forces came in and gave a scathing report. Okay. Of what was happening in the seniors homes. And that was where most of the deaths were happening. And, and, and again, that, we have grief, Emily, what's your, what are your thoughts on uh, grief in terms of the loss of lives and, Well, I I have to say, um, grief is 
it takes you to a different place. And I want people to really understand that, that grief isn't something that you really just heal. It's not something that you can recover. It's something that you can carry through, but it's not something that you actually let go of. So we have to figure out how to live with it in a certain way that it can still weigh heavy, but not take us all the way down and under. And I, you know, what, what I'm hearing from both callers already is, is we're all trying to share our information. It's still happening. We're all fighting over who, who knows the most or how, how to trust something. Absolutely. I think that grief right now is taking over. So is trauma. It sure and, is. And We've got about t- 10 seconds are are up against the clock, Emily. I've got to let you go. I love having yeah, you. We'll have you, so you again. Thank you for having me. EmilyAFrancisBooks.com. you got questions. She's got answers. The nurse is in for Nurse Talk. Welcome to the second hour of the Sunday Night Health Show, where we'll take your calls. The number to call is one 9898 We'll take your emails at nursetalk at hotmail.com. And of course, you can text as well at that one 9898 Love to hear from you. Uh, in this hour of the program, we're going to be talking about uh, a certain time of life and some of the benefits of the conservative measures that you can do. And I'll also be reading some of your emails and your texts as well. Um, but right now, are you feeling a little foggy-brained, ladies? Forgetful? Irritable? Are hot flashes and night sweats killing your libido? Maybe it's menopause. Maybe it's menopause. My next guest is a certified health coach specializing in women's health. She helps women balance their hormones naturally through nutrition, movement, and lifestyle adjustments. Her services include one-on-one coaching, group coaching programs, and events and retreats, which I would imagine are on hold right now. She is Dinara Mook, and she joins me on the line from North Vancouver, British Columbia. Good evening, Dinara. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much. Excited to be here with you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You know, things are a little out of balance in the world these days. (laughs) A little bit. eh? Can you tell I'm a little impatient of the whole thing? But... uh, (laughs) Uh, When a woman goes through menopause and, you know, there's the years leading up to menopause, which can be upwards of 10 years, um, and then menopause is actually the cessation of uh, the periods after one full year, and it is a a natural progression in a woman's life. Um, How, what are some of the things that women will experience during this time and, and, and what's considered normal and and what are some of the things that women can do? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually help women um, to, as you mentioned, to balance hormones and sort of live in sync with uh, different phases of their menstrual cycle, primarily of the reproductive years, and help them address essentially the things that have happened with the sort of mayhem of the COVID and what is brought with the hormonal imbalances. Um, and like some of the things that women can certainly do in order to help through the reproductive years to support their menstrual health, health along with um, with menopause. A um, few things, actually. So things like stress management, which is definitely not something that we were able to do over the last, uh, since March 2020. Um, eating foods that are anti-inflammatory in nature, eating uh, low-sugar diets, um, making sure that we're hydrating, we're still moving our bodies throughout the day, um, we're exercising and we getting a sufficient amount of sleep 
all of those things and sort of taking a holistic approach um, will give a lot of benefits of women of reproductive years along with menopause. Now, um, women may, you know, because estrogen is the hormone regulator of every mm-hmm. organ in the body, and women don't realize that often. That's why the hair gets dry, the eyes get dry, the skin changes, it becomes crepey, people become irritable, they start to have memory issues, mood changes, they can become irritable, they may not be able to sleep, they may be awakened by night sweats, they may have hot flashes during the day, Um, they may have to, at at this stage of life, because oftentimes the perimenopausal years are in the 40s, and they're now with the pandemic, women are managing so much and they may be doing that in their own home along with you guys too. Yes, don't worry. You have andropause and we'll do another segment on that sometime. Um, but, uh, you know, with with all of this in the mix, um, how difficult is it to balance um, a woman's hormones through nutrition and, and how beneficial is it? Yeah, that's a great question. So given um, the COVID-19 sort of pandemic that has created so much um, has wreaked uh, havoc on women's uh, menstrual cycle, dis- disrupting sort of our normal hormonal balances and creating this delayed, what I see within my clients, a lot of delayed, irregular um, and heavy periods. And I guess to understand why that actually uh, why that actually happened is essentially just to understand what may be happening during your cycle. And um, we need to think about it like sort of in the basic mechanisms of the menstrual cycle, which is our 28 days, the ovulation occurring on the day 14. Uh, so persistent stress uh, leaves us sort of in this constant fight or flight mode. And in stressful situation, our hormonal pathways in the body um, sort of not communicating as they as they meant to. We've got this hypothalamic um, HPA axis, which is essentially a short way of saying um, brain adrenal gland chat when they talk to one another in order to uh, regulate the hormonal production which affects our body system Um, that also includes um, our brain communicating with our ovaries and uh, that's a lot of um, a lot of the results that i've seen throughout COVID on people on the sort of the period weirdness that we've seen so if the brain is telling the body it needs to continuously respond in this fight or flight state, which is throughout um, pandemic, those are things like anxious thoughts, changing circumstances, stress of homeschooling for some, the impact of loneliness, and this unregulated cortisol, this unregulated stress hormone, essentially suppresses the normal levels of reproductive hormones in the body. So regulating, and that, that can affect ovulation and affect the um, period altogether. So regulating the stress um, management, be that through um, number of things um, through exercise, through eating food. Over time, I usually see within my practice, it doesn't, it's not one of those quick fix things that happen mm-hmm. tomorrow, but as we begin to introduce the healthy habits and so on, it will actually, um, and it does, it does help absolutely, but the stress is, um, is the number one hormone disruption that I see within my clients. Absolutely. And some women believe that wine will balance hormones and apparently, um, the wine culture <laughs> drinking amongst women is up. And I would imagine that uh, it is up during this time of life. Uh, and it's also associated with an elevated risk of breast cancer, alcohol consumption. Um, how dangerous or, or how bad is it for a woman to, uh, you know, uh, hit 
you know, when she hits one o'clock, which can be 11, 12, mm-hmm. one, two, three, whatever time her stress level, I mean, some, some women are looking at the clock begging, you know, it to advance um, so that yeah. they can feel guilt free about having it and then waiting for the kids to go to bed um, so they can have more. Or if they're empty nesters and, and feeling lonely and feeling like the kids have left and they're alone uh, now, you know, maybe drinking alone. How and they could be menopausal or postmenopausal or even perimenopausal. Um, how dangerous is this, and and how will this impact a woman's reproductive journey and and her menopausal state? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I do love a good glass of wine, and uh, it's certainly it's something that I was looking forward to throughout throughout the pandemic to essentially relieve that or what we think will help our our stresses in general. Unfortunately. Um, of course, everything is in moderation. And if you need to have that one glass of wine once in a while, it's absolutely all right. However, it does affect uh, women in a number of ways. So wine, of course, um, just like any alcohol, has to get processed to our liver. And in order for our liver to function properly, and as you brought in estrogen um, earlier in the conversation, in order for our body to process estrogen, it has to get to our liver. Otherwise, um, we see these things called um, estrogen dominance symptoms. And estrogen dominance is usually um, um, things like uh, irritation, breast tenderness, um, and so on. So uh, so wine, essentially wine um, affects our liver. Another thing that it does, it raises your blood sugar. So you might have this couple glasses of wine, and then you go to bed, and then you liver in this active state. So not only do you, become, you begin to feel super awake later o'clock at night because you've got this sugar hit that came with wine along with alcohol, but you also begin to feel um, sort of very, um, very awake, which will affect, uh, could potentially affect your sleep levels. And if you don't get um, a sufficient amount of sleep or sort of what we call uh, restful sleep throughout the night, that can affect, um, that can affect your health overall and just feeling quite foggy in the morning. Um, Depending on the amount of wine to your liver, of course, that will if it's um, more than two, three glasses, that will cause the brain fog on the on the following day. Of course, it'll spike your blood sugar. And a lot of women, whenever they do have even a couple glasses of wine, they're, um, they tend to uh, they tend to wake up in the middle of the night. It affects the liver. It spikes their blood sugar, releases insulin, and it just creates this whole sort of um, structural uh, disruption to our hormones. So as I, I, I know wine is certainly one of those things that really we, we think that it releases stress, but in the physiological level, it actually adds, adds the, uh, quite a bit of stress to our fetal bodies. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Donara Mook is my guest. She helps women balance their hormones. Thanks for staying on the line, Donara. No problem. What are some of the most common symptoms of menopause? Are you there? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, That's some good. of them. Um, in, uh, st- sorry, uh, I'm apologies. I think the line cut up a little bit. Could you please don't ask repeat your question? Oh, of course. Um, what are some of the most common uh, symptoms of menopause, or, or what are the most common things that women present to you with? Yeah, I think one of the more prominent ones is the um, irregular periods. Is of course sometimes. They're shorter, longer, sometimes they don't come uh, on time. Vaginal dryness is another one. Hot flashes um, is a common one. Chills, night sweats, where some women need to wake up and just take off their uh, their clothes mid, mid, um, midway through the night. Sleep problems. Um, what are the things that I see? A lot of mood changes. 
and uh, weight gain and sometimes it's associated because um, our metabolism gets slower as we get older. So that's usually due to slowed metabolism. But those are the things that I usually see. And vaginal dryness, you mentioned it. I'm very glad to hear you mention that because oftentimes I had a struggle in my office this week. I wrote a LinkedIn post. (laughs) Dear every single doctor out there who will not prescribe localized estrogen for a woman who needs it. um, Obviously we'd addressed hormone free and um, issues. And uh, so what do you recommend uh, for women with vaginal dryness? And of course they, that can lead to painful sex and and low sexual desire and basically divorce (laughs) and expenses. Well, as our hormonal levels um, decline at that age, there can be sort of often direct impact on the tissues, um, the muscles, and essentially the functions um, of the vagina, including the urinary tract. And so the loss of estrogen can result in thinning of the tissues, loss of uh, vaginal elasticity, and so on. So some of the things to restore it um, are usually to restore sort of the tissues elasticity and to thicken it. There are some estrogen creams that uh, women are able to take that can be safely used. Um, but I do usually recommend for women to work with their, with their physician directly to get those. Mm-hmm. And, if, um, and of course, uh, if the dryness that does get worse, I usually do refer women to speak to their healthcare uh, professional um, or their, um, to their physician or to their healthcare professional. That is great advice. And, uh, and you also, menopause or perimenopause, the years leading up to menopause, when, when, as you say, women's periods become irregular, they might be heavier, they might be longer time in between. Um, that's also a time when women will experience leakage of urine. And what do you say to women about that? Mm, um, is that something you, know you would refer to a physician no, as well? No, that's not something that I usually, um, I usually deal with yeah. commonly. Okay. So are you more on the hot flashes and night sweats and, um, and night sweat. irritability? Mm-hmm. And so what can a woman do about her irritability during this time? Because that can have an impact on her relationship. No, absolutely. Um, some of the things that I usually recommend for, for those sort of things is because I've taken, um, I take a holistic approach is to actually understand, um, a lot of the times when women come to me, they just sort of need to, um, need to discuss their emotions. And we usually, um, walk through that and we adjust what other sort of, um, what are the things that we can bring in, uh, externally that can potentially, that could potentially help them and, um, called them and tried to figure out the source of um, the source of irritability. A lot of the times um, with the fluctuating hormones, uh, women to sort of put themselves up, they drink a lot of caffeine and alcohol, which can certainly affect it. Um, and it's often sort of the little things. And it's um, trying to gain that perspective um, and getting rid of that nervous, um, nervous energy. And I usually try to encourage my clients to um, incorporate meditation into a sort of a calming practices throughout their life and amp up the self-care that can contribute to overall readability. And and are women struggling more these days with self-care in this pandemic? Yeah, because I think there's this notion that people think that self-care is uh, selfish. However, it's it's so essential to our well-being. And I think as females in general, we just um, have the superwoman syndrome where we would like to do a little bit of everything. Of course, take care of the kids, do this thing, do this thing. And if we're not perfect at it, we're like our self-care usually goes sort of on the last um, on the back burner. But at the end of the day, you have to fill in your own cup in order to be able to help those around you. So self-care is essential. And that's um, sort of the core pillar of my practice is to trying to make women feel it's not selfish, but in fact, it's very beneficial. 
for your health and for the health of your family. And and it's hard Mm -hmm. to get motivated on that, especially these days when life seems a little more dull than normal. Yeah. (laughs) My life. (laughs) I'm not complaining. (laughs) I'm going to come to you for therapy. (laughs) <laughs> we can definitely the periods are heavy <laughs> and self-care doesn't have to be like this manicure pedicure expensive thing it's just taking a 10 minutes to yourself and it's peace and quiet or just going for a walk that's that's as much as it sometimes needs. take 10 minutes to go through every prescription bottle in the house and see what'll work no i'm kidding <laughs> Well, you do amazing work, Tanara. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your knowledge. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Tanara. I'm all across social media, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Please, if you have any questions, women's health is my passion. I'd love to chat about it. Reach out through DMs or messages. I'm always available. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. You can subscribe, rate, or review on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a question about your health, the nurse is always in. So email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com, and I just might answer your question anonymously, of course, on next week's show. For now, have a happy and healthy week.